if you think about it, the whole sport ever since, you know, the first Olympics in Greece, like everything has been really based in, in men, in men physiology, in men capacity, in men anatomy, because the sport has been centered around men. And that's, um, it's not bad as long as it stays with the men, but it's bad when you uh, try to translate the same way of training, the same way of eating and the same way of doing things from a men physiology to a women's physiology, because we don't work the way, same way. I mean, we have different organs, uh, we have menstrual cycles, we have different hormones, and uh, these differences are huge. everyone and thank you for tuning in to another episode of Running Long, our podcast hosted by Francesco Puppi for Bird Run. So today we've got a very special guest from Mexico, uh, Karina Carsolio. We've got to know each other at Cerzinal, which is uh, one of the most iconic and important mountain races in the world, 31 kilometer in Switzerland. Um, this year was part of the Golden Trail World Series and the World Mountain Running Cup. Then we met again at the Golden Trail Series final in El Hierro in the Canary Islands, where it was really cool to hang out together for one week and to explore the island a little bit, and also to share views, uh, impressions, and hope on trail running uh, with Karina and with the, all the athletes community that was there for the final. So I thought it was um, it would be interesting to invite her in our podcast, also because I was very impressed by her commitment to make trail running a better sport, especially for the women. And uh, I was also very inspired by her, by her positive message of inclusivity and growth in a world where we're constantly divided by contrasting interests and messages that tend to separate us instead of valuing and supporting each other. So I thought it was really, really cool and something not so common to see. So please welcome uh, the mountain runner or Corredora de Montaña, Karina Carsolio, and thank you for being our guest. Mm, thank you so much. That was a wonderful introduction. Um, <laughs> thank you. I'm, I'm very honored to be here. <laughs> You're very welcome. So um, of course, we would like to get to know you a little bit better. Can we just start from like, who you are, where you live, where you come from, and um, how old are you? Yeah, sure. Um, well, I, I've lived in Mexico all my life. Uh, well, except for high school, I studied in, in Canada. Um, and uh, currently I live uh, in a place in Mexico that's not hot. <laughs> so everyone is always telling me that, oh, you must live in a really hot place. But no, I live at the bottom of a volcano. I live at 2,600 meters above the sea level. And um, wow. yeah, it's, <laughs> it's now I'm feeling it after one month and a half of being in Europe. <laughs> it's hard for training here now. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm 27 years old and I've, well, I, I pretty much, I was born into mountains because my parents are both uh, mountaineers. My mom was the first Latin American to get to the top of Mount Everest and my dad is like um, the youngest and the fourth in to reach the 14, 8,000s. 
So, yeah. So since I was, if even since my mom was pregnant, like I didn't get to when, when I, when she, she gave birth to me, my dad was climbing somewhere in the Himalayas. So, (laughs) (laughs) so I kind of grew up knowing that world and um, I was more into rock climbing and climbing in general all my life. Uh, But then for high school, I was a pretty shy kid. And I couldn't really find someone to climb with. So I started uh, playing field hockey. And when I got back to Mexico, I just, I, there was no field hockey. So, so I started running and, uh, but just as a way of being in the mountains and I didn't really know it was a sport. Um, and then I started studying medicine. Um, and it wasn't until I finished that it was last year that I started to actually competing uh, more and to train more properly <laughs> and this year was my first time racing internationally with all of you guys so it's been it's been it's been quite quite a ride <laughs> yeah that's super cool i i uh, honestly didn't know about this background uh, about your parents which are you know super inspiring and super strong mountaineers and this is super cool um we should have a podcast with them as well because uh, I think that would be a super cool story to to tell. Yeah, they um, have pretty cool stories. How far are you from Mexico City? I'm not really far, actually. It's um, like a one and a half hour drive. Um, you drive towards the east, and uh, so Mexico doesn't have mountains; it has volcanoes. Mm-hmm. There's a whole uh, line of volcanoes that crosses from all the way to from the Pacific Ocean to the Atlantic Ocean there's a bunch of volcanoes and I live uh, at the bottom of two of them one of them is actually quite active it's since 1998 and it's all the time like smoke coming out of it yeah yeah cool and how how tall are how high are these volcanoes uh, the, the one that you can actually climb is, uh, 5,300 meters. And the other one that's pretty active and you can't go to the top of it, it's mm-hmm. 5,500. And the tallest one in Mexico is 5,600. And that one's a little bit further away. Wow. Wow. So you're definitely used to the altitude and even higher altitude than what we're used in here in, in the Alps or maybe in the Rocky mountains. <laughs> yeah, yeah for cool. sure. Yeah. 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 Um, so can you tell us a little bit more um, how you started trail running? Like if it was um, just by yourself or if you joined the team, um, when exactly it was? Well, um, here in Mexico, there were, there weren't any teams and because I see in Europe they have like all of this youth uh camp sometimes and, and like things like that but here not really um I started trail running uh like six seven years ago um after yeah when I started university just as a way of, of being because uh, I I've never lived in the city I only want to live in the city to study uh medicine and um Every like whenever it was Friday, I would run away from the city and go back to my hometown, which is uh, also in the mountains. And um, I just it was my way of, you know, getting rid of all of that noise and of uh, I don't know, all of all of the city vibes and just be by myself. I've always liked a lot being by myself in the forest and in nature. And it was my brother, actually, who was also running and he started competing 
And one day he told me, you know, you'd be, you'd be good at this. Why don't you go into competitions? And I was like, no, I don't want to compete. I don't want to, you know, corrupt the sport. <laughs> and uh, then I loved it. <laughs> so I went, I started competing in 2014. And well, I went into my first race, but it, I wasn't really like training for it because I was studying medicine. And uh, yeah, I, I started loving it. But um, and ever since then, I just, it's been a part of my life. Yeah. Yeah, that is so cool. And, you know, I, I always hope um, we uh, elite runners or just runners in general, I just hope we are welcome and open to new people coming in our community because that is something that I really value and I feel is important for you know new people coming into the sport and young kids and everyone who is interested in being outdoors and trail running you know so I hope that's something that you found (laughs) yeah I I definitely found that especially among the athletes like I have to be honest um it's hard because uh, all of the races, all of the important races and competitive races are in Europe. Yes. So, so for me to, you know, actually get the training and uh, go there and feel good, it's, it's a lot of effort. And I feel like um, the main sponsors that make all of these races um, don't always consider that maybe there is a lot of uh, good level uh, somewhere else outside of Europe. Yes. And, but for me, it was a a very nice surprise to go there and find that the athletes welcomed me so much, maybe the organization, not as much because they're not thinking about outside of Europe, but at least with the athletes, I, I felt like it was a huge family, you know, and I, I really value that about trail running. I don't know if it's like that on road running, but at least on trail running, I have definitely found people that are interested in the same things and that are super friendly and I don't know I'm just I want to go back not so much for racing but to be with everyone (laughs) yeah yeah thank you I think you touched uh, a few very important topics um, because you know um, trail running is is pretty it's a pretty global sport now but it's not developed in all the areas of the world um, at the same level. Uh, it's it's true that the most important races are in the United States or in Europe. And for people who maybe live in Asia or Africa or South America, uh, it's a big effort to travel and they often don't get the, the support they, they deserve. So I, I was just thinking that, um, for example, the, the World Mountain and Trail Running Championship, which was to be held in Thailand uh, in February 2022, would be a super nice opportunity for for people to to run with the their federation with their uh, the the colors of their nations. Unfortunately, that that event will not take place. Uh, we hope uh, maybe it will happen um, in November. Uh, it's been postponed until November. But, you know, um, that's definitely a problem that big races and already established events and uh, private sponsors and brand uh, tend not to address, I think. So um, to be really inclusive and to give an opportunity to people who are not um, as connected as we are with such brands and organization 
it's it's not easy and it's something we really should address. So thank you for for highlighting that. Yeah, I think it's uh, I this board is it's it's growing, and I really hope us as a community can make it grow on the right direction. Because if not, I don't know. I wouldn't want to see the yeah. sport. Yeah. yeah, that is true. Like there is a lot of interest and also contrasting interests. Um, so it's not always easy to understand what is the best way to develop um, both towards a higher level, like a professional level of the sport. Also, I'm thinking about um, the environmental impact that trail running has and that a lot of people care about, but is a topic that really needs to be addressed. And in terms of opportunities to be a really uh, universal and uh, inclusive discipline, as, as you mentioned. So, yeah, yeah that is true. Um, I actually found out that your first international race was Limone Extreme in 20, 2017. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, I went there. Uh, I was in the middle of my, um, it's like, it's the toughest year in medicine, <laughs> but, uh, but I really wanted to go. How did you end uh, up there? Can you tell us a bit about that story? Well, I've always had, you know, since I started trail running, this series of races that I would really, really love to do. And I'm more of a mountain kind of girl and I like really technical things. So Limone was always on my bucket list. And um, my brother was insisting that I go there. So yeah, I just, I decided to go, uh, but it was like, I did a lot of rookie mistakes. You know, I got there with the wrong size of shoes. Um, <laughs> I was really sick. I had a, like a really bad flu, uh, but I ended up like really enjoying the race. Just, uh, I had never, never, ever raced something as steep because here in Mexico, even if though we're really high up, we don't have this huge uh, difference in the elevation gain that you guys have in Europe, you know? So uh, I had never seen like <laughs> such steep things. I had never done a vertical K. Mm -hmm. And for me, that was so challenging, like the uphills. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that's, really uh, that's a, a difference that a lot of trail runners from, from America, from United States and also South America find when they come to Europe that everyone says the trails are so steep. Yeah. Um, Limone is actually very, very steep. I tried uh, myself in 2017, uh, sorry, 2016 was, um, it's definitely very steep for me. Um, <laughs> probably even more than what this year, uh, Golden Trail Series final was, but, uh, yeah, it's something that, uh, we, we all realize, I think. Yeah. And also yeah. I read that, the. You mentioned that one of your dream race is uh, is Trofeo Kima, which is which oh, is yeah. uh, really close to where I live. Like it's not not my backyard, but like uh, it's the mountains that I have pretty close and where I go a lot to not a lot to train because it's very technical and I prefer to run on <laughs> runnable trails. But for hiking and you know camping and tracking is, is beautiful that's that's amazing i'm so jealous <laughs> yeah, yeah it's definitely on my bucket list i mean uh that's the kind of races i like to yeah it's very iconic it's it has yeah. a good tradition uh yeah it's uh, it's definitely a good race 
Oh, you've yeah. had a, you've had experiences in races up to 50Ks. Um, what are your plans for the future? Like, um, would you like to move up to longer distances or just focus on, you know, marathon trails or 50K or, or shorter yeah, races? Yeah, I think I like the marathon and shorter. Uh, but especially I like them because I find them more competitive. So I've tried longer distances, but, uh, and I really like them. Uh, my body responds well as well, but um, I feel like maybe you have three, four people that are like amazingly good, but then it's not, I don't know. I, I have found that there's not like this must, much competition as there is in shorter races. And I really like that, that really healthy competition that you can find in trail running uh, where the top 20 people are all like really, really good, you know? So I find that that really attracts me. Yeah. Yeah. That, yes. That's definitely something that I found as well in, uh, in the races that I do. I, I think the fact that the level of the competition and the technical quality of the race um, is high, mm -hmm. should be a priority in the choice of the race for, for mm -hmm. an elite runner. So that's, that's cool. Thank you. Um, then I would like to, talk a little bit um, about trail running in Mexico. Um, I know that there is some tradition, uh, for example, thinking about Ricardo Mejia or um, right now Juan Carlos Carrera or uh, Jael Morales or uh, Israel Morales. There are all Mexican runners that I know that have had good results in international competitions. Of course, especially Ricardo Mejia, who is a, a legend of the sport. Um, but uh, like, how? What do you think about the trail running scene in Mexico? Like, uh, is people interested? Are people interested? Are are there a lot of races? And what is what is it like? What is the difference compared to what we have, for example, in Europe? From your point of view, um, <laughs> um, I feel the best example would be like I feel like we are kids you know that get really really excited uh before Santa Claus comes and we want to open all of the presents up and I feel like the <laughs> European the Europeans ones are like the parents that know that they are Santa Claus and they bring the presents <laughs> so uh I feel like it's like that with trail running I feel like the Mexican people in general are super stoked about trail running and just but we have like no real structure um so ever since Ricardo Mejia uh, I feel like he brought that with him he brought the 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 you know we want to tr to to run and to race but um we lack a good federation we lack uh a races that have all of them I don't know maybe uh, uh they talk among, among each other to realize which is the best way to uh, mark a race maybe um, you know, we, we don't have all of the structure that in Europe, I see that the organization of the races is so good. And here um, you have either a race that asks, you know, for a, a lot of, of, of uh, material that you have to bring with you. And that is from my point of view, pretty useless. Or you have the other extreme where you have races that they don't ask you for anything and they don't care about the safety of the runners. So um yeah i feel like there's a lot there's races every single weekend and all over the place but i feel like 
uh, we are at that point where we are very excited, uh, but we lack all of this organization. Um, and also here it's different because in Europe, you have a lot of uh, trails that are taken care of by the government and you have a lot of natural parks that are closed only to trekkers and hikers and trail runners. And you, you, you have all of these maps with the amazing trails that you can go on. And here we don't. Um, most of the land belongs to um, what's called um, an ejido. I don't really know what's the name in English, but it, it, was, it was left after the Spanish uh, conquest. The land was divided between uh, the people that live there. So the land was given to, I don't know, uh, a chief of the land that lived there. And then they divide the land among themselves and they take, they take care of the land among themselves. So it's separate from the government. The government- It's like private land? It's, it's almost like private land, but it doesn't belong to one single individual. It belongs okay. to like a whole town. Okay. I don't know if, if, yeah. So the whole town gathers together and they have a council and everything. For example, here where I live, it's called the Hido of Santa Isabel Chalma. Santa Isabel Chalma, it's the town. And um, it belongs to maybe like 50 families, the whole, uh, uh, the whole land. And they decide how to manage it. So some, some people, some communities might decide to manage it for forestry and some communities might decide they want to manage it for um, cows and um, some others like the one I live on uh, is deciding to preserve the natural area and uh, do some trails for people and you know sustainable tourism. So that makes trail running really difficult in Mexico because you have to go to a place and talk to all of these communities and make sure that they agree with having a race there. And it happens all the time that even if the chief agrees to having the race there, maybe one of the 50 people that belongs to the council doesn't. And then they take, uh, take off the marks of the race or they you know, do things to make the race not uh, happening, yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's very interesting from my point of view. And while you were covering this topic, I was just trying to think some way to help um, from our side, from our European side, or I don't know how else, but it would be like really cool to, you know, develop a, a kind of a relationship or partnership or, or whatever, where we try to, as Europeans, uh, to maybe teach some people how to manage the organization of trail events, which is, of course, different from uh, broad running and track and field, and also how to manage the, the safety, um, the race requirements and the regulations for, for the race. It would be something really cool to do. Yeah, that'd be really awesome to have maybe like a, like a common... Uh, our races on yeah <laughs> yeah um yeah and and then i think also that trail running should respect the their environment where it takes place so like as you described the specific uh rules and regulations of each place where the races take place um because you know not every place is uh, suitable to to hold the trail race 
I think trail running should respect that and take it into account. Uh, that is not um, the same to, for example, organize a race in Switzerland and organize a race in Mexico. Yeah, which, uh, definitely. Which is pretty, you know, it might sound obvious, but uh, maybe it's not. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I think I think there's a lot of interest also in trail running since uh, you know a lot of people are seeing that it can you can make a lot of profit from it. So uh, yeah, sometimes nature and the people are not at the best interest of the organization. <laughs> yeah, I see. Let's let's talk a little bit about the 2021 season. So probably your most impressive result was a third place. Uh, in Canada at uh, Dolomites Run. Um, I thought that was very, very high level and very impressive. Um, then you probably didn't perform um, to your expectations in Sierzinal and, uh, and Skyrun. And then you, you came to the Golden Trail World Series Final and uh, eventually to the Golden Trail Series National Final in the Azores. Can you describe how the... 2021 season was for you and if you're satisfied with it and like what's your overall experience um i can't say i'm satisfied with it <laughs> but i can't say that uh, it has cleared up a lot of things for me um i think trail running is a really broad sport uh where we have you know runners that are really good on really flat trails and runners that are really good on vertical Ks uh, and uh, runners that are very good at downhills. And then you have like maybe one or two in the world that are good at everything, you know? <laughs> so um, I, at Canada, it was a race that I had been preparing for because uh, uh, like it was my main goal of the year. So I had been working on that and working on the really technical things and really steep and really, uh, you know, it's a short race and also fast. So I think it, it proved that I had been training for that because, yeah, I, I was not expecting a third place, but, uh, but it was it was really cool. Um, to, it opened up a lot of questions. Uh, but after, I feel like I wasn't really... Sorry, ready. sorry, Karina, we cannot hear you anymore nope. can you hear me there yeah a little better yeah. probably Try yeah again. okay hello yeah, yeah. Good. sorry um yeah well i don't know what, when did you stop listening but um no no it was just 10 seconds ago so okay go ahead yeah so for me uh at what happened after it was kind of i was not prepared for it i i don't know how you guys do it but <laughs> Because I think about road runners and road runners maybe have, especially marathon runners, maybe have two, maybe three marathons a year. And they prepare the whole year for these two or three events. And I, then I see us trail runners, especially in Europe, where you have like a whole season of racing. And it's one race after the other, after the other, after the other. And um, I feel like I never done that before. And my body was not, you know, I didn't know how to put in the training for that or and the proper rest for that. Um, so I feel like I just tired my body a lot, a lot and that's why I couldn't perform as well. Uh, Sinal, I knew I wasn't going to do very well because I'm, uh, it's a very fast race and I'm not a very fast runner on flat surfaces. But Skyrun, I, was, I, was, I thought I would do really good on that one. But I feel like I was just, you know, 
maybe too tired. I couldn't recover properly from everything. Also, I have a, I have an autoimmune disease that's called spondyloarthritis. It's kind of an arthritis. Well, it is an arthritis of the butt of the hip. And you never know when you, you're going to have flares of the disease. So I start, started having a really, really bad flare just before Skyrune. Uh, after I got vaccinated, I feel like just my whole body just reacted really, really strong. And so I was in a lot of pain for Skyrune. And I um, just, it's been really, it's been a struggle for me the last past month and a half with the flare of the spondyloarthritis. But um, honestly, it just gave me a whole new perspective on what to do next year. So I'm, I'm happy I got the opportunity to race there. It was, it was, it was amazing for me. Yeah. Yeah. I think like uh, all the experiences were, were worth, even if some races didn't go according to, to your expectations, but else that also, um, I think it shows two things like the importance of recovery after a race, which is not something straightforward. It's, it's an ability that athletes need to develop and take care of, which uh, it's probably something not uh, as often highlighted enough. And also the importance to focus uh, training a preparation on one goal. Like for you, it was uh, the Dolomites run this year. You went there, you were fit and very well prepared and you did super well, which you know shows how well we can do when we really set a goal and go for it. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's very important. And we are also learning on that as trail runners. Yeah. Do you, do you have a coach helping you for training or you just do by yourself? Yeah, I have a coach, but I just started training with him last year and I'm also his first uh, trail athlete. He usually trains mountain uh, bike. So okay. I feel like he, he's also learning with me. <laughs> yeah. That's um, interesting. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Also the contamination between different sports is, is interesting. And I think uh, for, for trail runners is, uh, is super useful, you know, because um, every year a lot of races show how it's different to go there and produce a really good performance coming from different backgrounds. Because for example, there's people who have uh, been cycling there is people who come from orienteering there's people who do ski mountaineering there's people mm -hmm. like me who are more like road or track runners and you know everyone with, with his own strengths and weaknesses but we can all do well and perform well if like if we know how to to train so that's yeah. that's pretty cool yeah no it's amazing i i've learned so much from all of the different athletes yeah What are your plans for the next season? Do you plan to run the Golden Trail Series again or something different? No, I think I'm going to, uh, I think I should focus a little bit more on my strengths, which is sky running. So okay. um, I would like to do more technical races. And so maybe choose the, the, the races that are the most competitive ones of the sky running world series. Um, because there's some that actually gathers a lot of really good level. Uh, Limone being one of them. So uh, grab a couple of the Sky Running World Series and then maybe, yes, do a couple of the Golden Trail. Yes. Uh, but choose them wisely, you know, make sure there's, uh, there's uh, choose, I choose the ones that are more to my liking uh, and strengths. 
Yeah, yeah, that's that's totally understandable. Also, um, you know, we don't have to follow every single race of a circuit. We like there is still a lot of races that are worth doing just because they're important. There is good level. They're iconic. So uh, that's something that uh, I can totally understand and relate to. Cool. So we we hope to see you in Limona next year again. Yeah, I would love to. I really wanted this year, but I was too tired after all of the races. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> next Definitely. year for sure. <laughs> and also the Azores Trail Run was a stage race, right? Yeah, yeah. I had never done a stage race before, and I feel like I was not ready for that. <laughs> yeah, the first two races I was okay, but then the last one, I, my body was just—I had never felt so tired. Yeah, yeah, I just collapsed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's it's definitely something I experienced too at last year uh, Golden Trail Series World Championship, um, which substituted the the normal series for for the pandemic. Um, mm -hmm. We were racing for four days, and it was definitely one of the hardest hardest experience of my life <laughs> yeah it was just amazing how the body can just you know it will keep going until you really break it <laughs> yeah you can like what i found is that like you can hold on and find energies that you didn't know you had but mm -hmm. yeah the, the body breaks down pretty badly after yeah. <laughs> after four days <laughs> yeah yeah no I, it's not I, like I, in cycling i think that you know the athletes can race for three weeks in a row uh, running is a, yeah is a bit different <laughs> yeah i think it's a lot of impact so we can't recover as fast <laughs> yes cool um moving on a little bit i one other topic that i wanted to cover during this talk um is about your studies and your work uh, in as a gynecologist and in sport nutrition uh, so I wanted to ask you, how did that started? How does this passion developed? And what are like, what exactly are you doing in this field? Well, um, so I started studying medicine, but I wasn't sure of what I really wanted to do because I've never, quite honestly, I've never agreed with how the medical system treats the, the diseases and people. I feel like uh, we are more you know, they treat symptoms and not the real cause, the real root cause of what's going on. And, but I felt it was important to study the system and then think outside of it, you know? Yes. So uh, I started uh, since my first year of uh, med school, every time I had uh, holidays, I would use them to study something else. So being nutrition, being uh like I uh, different things and I went on one of these uh, holidays I went for two months to Peru to study with a midwife uh, in the Andes uh, I studied a lot of uh, herbal medicine and I was just working uh, delivering babies like in their houses <laughs> uh, and I loved it I found that what I really really loved was working with women so ever since then I started just working a lot with women uh, so like in, in in a more natural gynecology um, not using so many hormones and stuff. And when I started racing and becoming more of an athlete, I, I realized talking with a lot of women that 
outcomes in racing as a woman that uh, if you think about it, the whole sport ever since, you know, the first Olympics in Greece, like everything has been really based in, in men, in men physiology, in men capacity, in men anatomy, because the sport has been centered around men. And that's, um, it's not bad as long as it stays with a man, but it's bad when you uh, try to translate the same way of training, the same way of eating and the same way of doing things from a men physiology to a women's physiology, because we don't work the way, same way. I mean, we have different organs, uh, we have menstrual cycles, we have different hormones, and uh, these differences are huge. And we don't acknowledge them as much. So I started doing a lot of research on this area, uh, talking, ended up talking with a bunch of uh, really uh, like PhD people that are really, really in deep into this field of research. And I realized that we women really don't know a lot about this. And you start hearing a little bit of that about it, but just, you know, just on the surface. And um, so I've been working a lot with, uh, with that, with women who, who are raising and, uh, I don't know, lose their periods or realize that they, um, sometimes of their menstrual cycle, they feel really strong and on others, they don't. So trying to, um, help them understand how their body works. And it's really important for us to realize that we are, uh, we have a cycle and we should train according to it because, um, I mean, we would be a lot stronger if we knew how to use this to our advantage. Yeah, this is this is a very important topic and very interesting. So, like, you plan to share information and raise awareness in women. Um, yeah, with this, like, you know, with this, uh, with this, this kind of topics, and also. Um, we, I remember after the Golden Turtle Series final, you sent out a, a survey um, to try to help female athletes and learn how to deal with, uh, for example, rats, uh, also body image and their struggles in training and racing to, you know, get a deeper understanding of what what's going on at an elite level with athletes, with female athletes. Yeah, well, last year I started doing uh, uh, like a course that I did online because of the pandemic, uh, which was about this, but I did it in Spanish. And I had a lot of, uh, I had six different uh, groups and I taught all of them uh, the importance of the menstrual cycle, how it works and uh, how, how to use it uh, in training, how to adapt our training to our menstrual cycle. And so I learned a lot about it. And this, this year that I went to race in Europe, I was actually really, really shocked and uh, really heartbroken because um, I realized that a lot of women in elite uh, level, not only they, they don't know the importance of the menstrual cycle, but they, they feel like, you know, we have this idea that if we don't have our cycle, it's because we're training really hard and it's good. Or if we are really, really, really skinny, then it's going to make us so much better. Uh, but, um, and, and for me, I talked with a lot of the women there at El Hierro. And honestly, um, I realized that almost 100% of them, and 
it's shocking, had lost their periods for at least three months. A lot of them have had lost it for more than four years. And this is something that, you know, I feel like if the trail running community doesn't address it, then at least us as women should have the information available on why this will damage our health. Because uh, I see a lot in European trail running history, a lot of women that, you know, were maybe at the top of races for one, two years, and they were breaking all of the records and they were doing great. And then after that, their body breaks. And I think it's because of this. I think it's because not having your menstrual cycle makes you not produce estrogen, which is a, a very important hormone uh, for bone health, for example, for muscle health, for uh, injury repairing. And if you don't have it, then of course your body's going to break and recovering after a stress fracture, it's poof, it's really hard. So I would really like to make all this information that I made in Spanish now in English available for, for women. Yeah. Yeah, that is, uh, that is something super important. I'm thinking that it's a problem not only related to trail running, but in general to endurance sports, um, whether it's road running, track and, track and field or, or cycling. Uh, it's a problem that also men have, uh, but it's probably more common in, in women. And uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty sad. And uh, we should definitely address this problem and give the, especially to the young generations, the tools and the information to understand what goes on and how we can, you know, be better athletes in a sustainable and healthy way, which as you are explaining me is 100% possible. Yeah, no, definitely. I feel like we have a lot to learn and it's happening. You know, uh, a lot of people are becoming really interested in their actual health and not just their performance. And at the end of the day, they go hand in hand. Uh, you can't have amazing performance for a like sustainable, uh, amazing performance without health. Definitely. What is uh, an advice you would give to female athletes, for example, in terms of training? Like, for example, how is it different for a woman um, in terms of training from a, from a man, from a male athlete? Well, um, the research has been uh, telling us that we do have different stages in um, our menstrual cycle of how we perform. So. Uh, the, the menstrual cycle is divided into two, three, three, three main events. Well, two, it's two phases uh, and they're both divided in the middle by ovulation. So before ovulation, you have a stage where you're producing uh, a little amount of hormones and a more amount, a little amount of estrogen. And this is usually the phase of the cycle where women feel really strong. And, uh, um, and even at a physiological level, the muscular ca capacity of synthesis is bigger. Uh, we produce less, um, less heat, so we, are, uh, we adapt to the heat really well. Um, there's a lot of changes that happen in our body that makes us more, uh, I don't know, it's, it's better for us for training. Um, I'm just like, it's really complex actually, but I'm just trying to synthesize it. Yes. <laughs> and so you, then, like it's a moment where you better respond to the training stimuli. Definitely. Okay. Yeah, exactly. And so it's good you, to, you know, do workouts and strength yeah. training and this type of yeah. 
things. Yeah, this, this type, this first part of the menstrual cycle is where uh, I would suggest to put, you know, uh, really uh, hard intervals uh, if you're doing endurance sport or, or if you're doing strength training, then it would be the best part for you to uh, lift more weight or, you know, uh, this is where you feel really good and where you want to get your maximum capacity of uh, everything. And the second part of the cycle is the luteal phase. Uh, we have a lot of hormones in our body that are actually telling our body, you know, to go into a little bit of calm because um, it, it, this is a reproduction. So if you yes. became pregnant, the body is telling you, you know, to cool down and it's making your body like this really hot, nice atmosphere for the baby to grow. Uh, so we have a lot of progesterone and estrogen, and these two hormones make, make us uh, very likely to have more injuries. Uh, our recovery capacity is not as good. We also feel more tired and we want to sleep a little bit more because there's a lot of uh, different hormones also acting around our brain. Uh, so it's, uh, it's, a, it's very normal for women to not feel their mojo, you know, uh, during this time of the menstrual cycle and maybe not feel a lot of motivation to train. And it's because of this. So I would take advantage of that and um, have these one or two weeks of uh, a little bit, maybe less intensity, more volume, or even, you know, trying different, uh, a different kind of approach to the training. Yeah. Yeah, but just like, you know, let the training cycle take into account that uh, you have these uh, periods and have like, like the training adjust according to your natural cycle and not the other way around. Because uh, what we found, I think what we all realize that as athlete is that is it's always better not to force any type of training into our body, but to just let the body you know, feel the type of good training and good work that you can do in order to, to progress. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, of course, uh, giving access to this type of information and to this knowledge to, to women could be definitely super, super useful and, uh, and inspiring for a lot of them. Well, I've, I've, I've inspired myself from a, a lot of different women researchers in the area and read a lot with them. So I really hope uh, I can I can share their information to other athletes as well. Yeah. Do, do you plan to start uh, some kind of program um, related to this or? Like yeah. Well, I already have one in Spanish. Um, I did a course that I recorded everything. And I put it on a platform uh, where everyone can have access to it. Well, um, is it, it the Latleta Integral that I saw yeah. on your Instagram profile? Yep, is that one? Oh, cool. So it's it's a platform, and there's uh, you know texts and articles, and the video of the class that uh, it's six modules, and it's each module is a two-hour class, and oh. you have ex uh, exams and uh, different uh, information. And also like a platform where you can ask questions and I'll answer them if I know the answers to it. <laughs> That's um, cool. Yeah. So, yeah. So um, my idea is that like this whole topic is still being under research. There's a lot of research still going on every day and new articles are coming up on uh, how uh, women should train and the menstrual cycle in, in women athletes. 
so I really hope to this 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 two months of uh, uh, pre-race season uh, to do it in English and make it available to more people. Yeah, yeah that would definitely be useful and cool, and uh, we would be we would be glad to to share your your work and what you're doing for for female athletes. So that's yeah, definitely a very good advice to to our listeners. Um, thank you, and uh, I hope um, you're enjoying some recovering now, uh, at some recovery at the end of season. Um, I'm, I'm actually in my off season right now. I'm trying also to, to fix some uh, not super small injuries that I have, but it's a good time of the year to, to take care of that. Um, yeah. How, when like are, are you currently running or do you take a complete period of rest yeah i took i took a week off because <laughs> uh like even my coach had told me to do maybe one like a couple of races of um running just easy running but even easy running i felt like you know i just want to give my body like a really nice rest so I took a whole week of running. I did a little bit of biking and uh, I have always done a lot of yoga and strength training, but running, I think I will start tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> well, definitely. I think a period of rest, even complete rest. So with no running is, is very useful at the, at the end of season. And uh, I'm glad you can confirm. <laughs> yeah. I'm really enjoying it actually. <laughs> cool. So take care and thanks for being with us today. And uh, we will definitely plan another talk. Uh, th there is so much to, to explore, um, whether it's related to trail running or training. And uh, I feel you're a very nice person to, to share this type of stories. So thank you for being with us today. Mm, thanks to you. It's been awesome sharing. Uh, here and on the trails as well. So um, hope to see you guys soon. And thank you so much for inviting me. Yeah. And you guys make sure to follow Karina on social media and at races. And as always, happy trails. <laughs> Bye. Bye.